You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. I got to share um, this with you this morning. I, I just uh, sensed this to be a word from the Lord as we were in worship, and, and we understand that we are, we are a church that believes in the fullness, the fullness of the Spirit, the full gifts of the Spirit. We believe that the Spirit is in operation, that when, when the Holy Spirit came upon the, uh, the church in the, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, it came and it was manifested through speaking in tongues, and they went and they began to speak the language of the people. And uh, the, uh, Paul, of course, tells us the gifts of the Spirit that were given for, for healing, discernment, and uh, all of the gifts that were listed. And we believe in the full, fullness of the Spirit of God and the work of God. We believe that God speaks to people today just as he spoke to people who wrote the, the men who wrote the Word of God. You believe that? That the same Spirit that revealed truth to him, to them, is the same God who speaks to us today. And uh, we, are, we are not better than those who God spoke to in the past, nor are they better than we are today. We are the same people. It says of Elijah that he was just a man. And God answered his prayer when he called out to God and asked for him to stop the rain. Here's Elijah, who is just a man. And you and I are just man. We're, we're just flesh. We're, we're just flesh and bone. But the Spirit of God works through us and does so even today. And there are times where we'll have in services where there might be a message in tongues, an interpretation. And there are times as well where it's appropriate where there's not a message in tongues. But God just, just gives a, a word to, to, to someone and just a, a word. Word of encouragement, and it's always meant for this purpose. Number one, to build up the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ, to draw closer, to give direction, to cause there to be insight and revelation of God's love and His grace. God never wants to show up and tell you how awful you are. He wants to show up and tell you how much grace and hope He has. Now, there are times that He will need to speak to our life, and we will have to face the facts of truth, and there are times we have to look at some truth, and we have to recognize, but even in Him doing that, it's His love. It's not His anger or anger towards us. And I, here's why I can say that, because the Bible says that His anger is reserved for the day of Christ at the coming of the Lord, which that tells me God's not angry with you. God's not angry with the world. He's not angry with man. But if man or individuals pertain or continue in their sinful ways, his anger will be poured out. I've said it this way. My mom, my mom is, uh, I've, I've, I've cried at times when I was a kid. And my mom would say, boy, you want me to give you something to cry about? I look at that and I say, if you think God's angry, wait till the day of judgment. If you think this isn't, this isn't his anger. This is His love and His mercy, His grace that's poured out on you. So don't ever allow life circumstances to be perceived as God's anger for you. Because if it's something that might not be going, and I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but you're going through something and you feel as if God is angry at you. He is not angry at you. It is His love and His grace, the Bible says in Peter, that draws you to repentance. And so don't look at your life circumstances as if God is pulling the rug out on you and getting ready to beat you over the head. Look at life circumstances and say or acknowledge that his grace and his kindness is drawing you and leading you to repentance if you've ever felt that you've been in a place and the holy spirit is drawing you to come back to christ thank god for the the stirring of the holy spirit thank god for your faith to receive and obey the work of the holy spirit because as you do he draws you it's his kindness that leads us to repentance and so this morning, I just sensed as we were worshiping, just a word that the Lord spoke to my heart. 
and this that, that he wants you today that your worship, sometimes we can look at worship, your worship is not to make me move. I, and I'm saying this in a personal tense because I believe this is a word that God wants to give to somebody. Your worship is not to make me move, but to make you ready for when I do move. Worship is about what I deserve and not about what you need. You cannot manipulate me or control me. Time is in my hands. I have determined the time and you will determine the preparation. The time is near, so let your preparation be as follows. And God's word to us and that recognition that we can have times where we feel like God is drawing us and calling us to come back to him and we can sometimes allow our worship to be the strings that we pull to get God to move. It's circumstances we don't like So therefore, we act in worship to try and cause circumstances we do like. Are you following me? That we will use worship sometimes to manipulate God and allow that to go. We don't like these circumstances, so we're drawn back to a change. And so then we allow worship sometimes to be the things that manipulate God. Can I tell you, God wants to pour out revival in our midst. But let me also say to you, revival will not be the result of your prayer, your fasting, your working, or anything you do because revival is not what you can do. Revival is only what the Spirit of God can make happen. You cannot make it happen. All you can do is be ready for when it does happen. This morning, I sense this is a word that as we were worshiping, the Lord just spoke to my heart and a release in that, that there are some of us so hungry for the move and the presence of God and God would caution us to be careful that we don't allow our hunger to be perceived as something we can do to manipulate God. Our job is not to make God bring revival. Our job is to prepare our hearts for the move of God. Is that making sense to anybody? I need some... Bible believers and some people following Jesus Christ to just either wave a hand of amen or just, I, I want to make sure we're not preaching heresy here this morning, but I firmly believe time is in the hand of God. You and I don't control time. You and I don't dictate what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and you look past over this year. Some of you look past over 2013. You had no idea that was going to happen, did you? You had no idea that was going to happen in 2013. You had no idea. And you know what? You and I may have no, we have no idea what God wants to pour out in 2014. And it will not happen because of what we do. It will only happen because of His power, His grace, His working. Because His power that pour, that's poured out is not contingent upon what we do. The reception and the effect of it in our lives is all that we can control. We can't control Him moving or not. He will pour out his spirit. The question is whether or not we'll be ready for it. I don't know if I'm making sense to anybody this morning. And so the word of the Lord to us at Faith Assembly is to know that he cannot be controlled. He, will, he is going to pour out a move. And it's our, not our job to make it happen. It's only our job to prepare ourselves so that we are ready for when it does happen. And to that, to the word of the Lord, we say amen. And amen. Lord, let it so be. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and just let's receive that together in Jesus' name. Would you just just ask God right now, just begin to ask God, prepare my heart, Lord. Father, prepare me. Lord, as we begin this new year, as we look towards your word, Father, give us a hunger as we've talked in the weeks past. But Lord, we're asking today on this first Sunday of 2014, make us ready for your spirit. Lord, we pray, God, that as we enter into this 21-day fast, God, we're not coming to manipulate you. We're not coming to control you. 
we're only coming to say, God, make us ready for what you want to do. Make us ready vessels. Make us empty vessels. Make us willing vessels ready to receive and to carry forth the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you that your spirit has not stopped being poured out. God, it's only been that sometimes we've stopped thirsting for it. It's not a, not a matter of you've stopped pouring it out. It's that we've stopped seeking or stopped, stopped hungering. So God, I pray that you would help us to seek that which you desire. And Lord, cause us to be ready for what you want to do in this new year. And Lord, we look forward to it with great anticipation and desire. And so God, I pray right now, whatever burden of control is weighing on hearts in the name of Jesus, let it be released, oh God, in the name of Jesus, to know, oh God, that all time is in your hand. The Lord, we cannot manipulate you, we cannot control you, but Lord, we can only prepare our hearts in faith and trust before you and make ourselves ready for what it is you desire to do. So God, let it be great and let it be for your glory. In the name of Jesus. And everyone who receives that this morning said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Would you just, before you're seated, shake someone's hand and tell them, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. And this morning, don't get ready for what I'm about to say because I believe God wants to do something that no preacher can speak about. And um, because I I love preaching the word of God. Sometimes I, I love preaching the word of God so much that I have to say, God, I pray I never love preaching the word of God more than I love your presence. And you say, how could that be possible? I, I, I don't even know. But I just love preaching the word of God. But here's the reality. Sometimes it's this, this, this whole concept, and I know this. It's, God, there's nothing new to say. I can't. There's nothing, there's nothing new under sun, Ecclesiastes says. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. There's, there's nothing new. The things have been, the things that have been will be again. That, that, that the times are repeating themselves in this season. So if the times are repeating themselves, get ready for what Jesus said. That in the days as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the return of Jesus Christ. They were eating and drinking and their life going about the same. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. So he is coming. Lord, make us ready. Make us ready. Make us ready. Well, I pray you had a blessed Christmas and a blessed uh, New Year's celebration as we uh, celebrate those times together. And it's a transition. And I love fresh starts. I, I was just uh, telling uh, Steve, and uh, uh, just take a moment to introduce Steve Halacki. Steve, if you'd stand and just wave to everybody, you'll uh, be seeing Steve around here for about three weeks. And uh, uh, Steve is a, uh, uh, a Bible college student at Spring Arbor in Michigan studying pastoral ministries. And so he's hanging out with us for a short internship. And uh, uh, we were talking this morning uh, just of uh, our, uh, the joy of the new day. And I know without a doubt that God intentionally put years and days in place so that we can take a, bre- a, a, a fresh start and wake up to a new day, to wake up to new moments. I'm thankful for the new year. I'm, I'm thankful that we get to turn the pages and turn to new things and, and look forward. I, I thank God there are some days and you say, God, I can't wait for a new day. 
There, there are other days as, Lord, I'd love a day like that every day. But in all, in all moments, God allows us to recalibrate, allows us to refocus. You know, in the, the, the natural, in the mechanical, it needs a tune-up every once in a while. Some things need to be tweaked. Some things need to be adjusted. And we're looking over this next uh, series, and we're considering the whole truth. Asking ourselves, where are we and what adjustments or, or are we building our lives on the whole truth of what God's word is, the, the whole truth of what it is to follow in Jesus Christ. You've heard this statement and uh, you may have been a part of that as you've had to give witness and how many know we are all called to be witnesses? It's what the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do, to be witnesses, to be eyewitnesses of the power of God, the work of Jesus Christ in our, in our lives. You take the stands and you make a promise to tell the whole truth. Nothing but the truth, so help us God. And looking this morning in our lives and asking us as believers, have we built our lives on the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Have we built our lives firmly on the truth of what God's word is? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some, some four main doctrines. We would call the, they're, they're traditionally called the four cardinal doctrines of the church. The four cardinal doctrines or, or the core beliefs of what we hold to. Now, in our church, the, the, uh, uh, the assemblies of God, there are 16 fundamental truths, but these four Core doctrines. These are the legs upon which we stand. And these, these combined are, are this is the, the whole truth of what it is. And it's number one, the whole truth is this, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. How many know that Jesus is the only way? So I come to tell you the whole truth this morning. And the whole truth is the only way you're going to get to heaven is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by behaving good enough. Not by going to church enough. Not by doing anything else plus Jesus. But the only way you're going to make it to heaven is by faith through Jesus Christ or faith in Jesus Christ alone. Number two, the other cardinal or, or, or cardinal or core doctrine or faith of the church is that we believe that God is still at work in healing people today. We believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ in our lives. How many know that we serve a God who is still able to heal and to bring restoration? We believe as well, part of the whole truth. Number three, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that in our lives, he does not just live near us, but that he lives by his spirit, dwells on the inside of us. And that word to be filled, here's what the original Greek of that word filled means, to be controlled by. To be filled with, we sometimes look and we, we love the aspect of what God pours in. But that word filled doesn't mean to be poured in. It means to be controlled by. And when we are filled with the Spirit, it means we are controlled by the Spirit. And how many know being filled with the Spirit didn't just happen the day God baptized you at an altar or in your bedroom at a church camp or wherever it was where you had an experience and you may have spoken in tongues, you had an encounter with God. It wasn't in that moment maybe God had poured His Spirit out on you. But how many know every day I've got to allow the Spirit of God to take control of my life? I need to allow, and I don't know who I need to interject this for. But what good is it if I can speak in tongues in church, but I can't use my good tongue to speak to my wife at home? Don't tell me you speak in tongues when you can speak in tongues in church, but you got the wrong tongue talking to your, your, your family. You got the wrong tongue talking to somebody else. He doesn't, and, and that whole aspect, I believe, comes back to the control thing. God wants us, the church to know you can't control him. You can't speak in tongues or do things enough to get God to move. God will move. All you can do is prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for the work and the move that God wants to bring in your life. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. 
And the last, the, the, the last doctrine or, or core belief that we hold to, and altogether, this is the whole truth we want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, and that is, number four, we believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe in the rapture of the church. We believe that there is, a, there is a hope that is the blessed hope. And that is we're not living for the goods that are here. But we're going to trade what's here for something far better in a place that is in eternity. And in a hope that we have. And so that together becomes the whole truth. When we live in that perspective that we are, rest- or we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. That we are restored by his healing power. That we are fulfilled or, or encouraged or built up by the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us and that we have a great hope to look forward to how many know you put all those things together we're whole complete healthy people you're healthy when you have hope to look forward to you're healthy when you know that you've been redeemed you're healthy when you know that there's a fulfillment and empowerment inside of us we become healthy and it's our prayer as we start off this new year to say god help us to be built on the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help us god amen I'm not going to do it, but I feel like raising my right hand and everybody across the room, okay. I tell the whole truth. Second Chronicles chapter 16, if you have your Bible. My prayer is this, that God would give us a breakthrough as we kick this whole truth off. We kick this new year off, and, and my, my prayer is a breakthrough is, God, let it not be a repetitious, uh, let it not be the repetition of what has been. You know what it's like, you watch people that, that come to Christ, and, and uh, this those of you maybe you've knew in Christ or you've served the Lord for a long time, let's be honest. I don't want you to raise your hand, but be honest. You've met someone who is new in their faith on fire for God, and as they're, they're passionate and on fire for God, you have the thought that says, oh, I was there once. They'll settle down. Don't raise your hand. Don't admit it. I had that once. They'll get over it. My prayer is, God, help us to break through something that we can never get over. Help us to break through the places and for you to take more control than you've ever had in my life. If the most control God had on my life was at the age of 13 when he called me into ministry at an altar where he baptized me with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. God, God showed me uh, as a young 13-year-old. It wasn't even an altar call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was just an altar call of surrendering to God. And so I came to the altar and I said, God, I'm giving you everything. And I, all I remember is worshiping. I didn't realize I was speaking in tongues, but I was just worshiping. And there the Lord was showing me preaching in front of people. And as that was there, I was preaching in front of people. I just had this sense of, God, you're calling me. There wasn't an audible voice, but it was evident and clear that I knew that God had called me to such a purpose and to such a, a, such a task and to such a, a, a promise. If my greatest time of submission is at the age of 13 when I believe God for the unknown and great things to happen... I need to be even more surrendered now that I'm 36 years old in the midst of everything, in the midst of what God desires to do in my life. There needs to be a breakthrough, a breaking point of trusting God more than I've ever trusted God before. It's one thing to trust God and give God, give God everything when you don't have anything. It's another thing to trust God and give God everything when he's blessed you, when he set things in front of you. Because here's the concern, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. When you have more at stake the more controls you, and because it controls you, you try, to, you try to work and operate, and instead of trusting God wholly, you take more on yourself, and God becomes the default rather than the primary. God becomes your default plan rather than your only plan. We've all been there. This is not a shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. No, this is, this is who we are as human nature. This is who we are as people. This is who we are as the children of God, as Israel. 
This is who we are as the, as, as, uh, the, the children of Israel, the same way. It's, it's our process. It's who we are. But we're looking at this new year and saying, God, help us to look at that truth, look that truth in the, in, the, in the face and not run from it and hide, but to acknowledge that truth and allow God to do the new work that he wants to do in our lives. You've ever had a moment where you felt stuck? There are things that you know you want to do different in a new year, and you're just not sure how to make it happen. And so you go to other people for help. You can go to other people for help, and you wish it was just this easy sometimes. This is fun. It's just humor, so, so uh, have fun at it. There's a video, and sometimes if it was only this easy to get help. But here it is. Take a look at uh, this video and uh, see if you know what I'm oh, talking no, about. No, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here they are. Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you... you, you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, child. no, no. <laughs> no, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... 
It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. But I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make change. You've even been in that place where you've tried to just stop it. You've had those moments where you know there's either thoughts or 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 uh, just things that are controlling, and you've tried to just stop it, and you can't just stop it. You know what it's like. You've been there. It's not as simple as just saying stop it, but yet we make it harder than it needs to be. And the real problem of what we have and the the problem of why we get stuck in this place and sometimes the redundancy of where we've been is because of this one thing. And here's our problem. The problem and the reason we can't stop it is because as Christians, a lot of us, many people are stuck between the rock and a hard place. They're stuck between the rock and a hard place. Let me explain. They're stuck between the salvation of Jesus and the stubbornness of their own will. They're stuck between trusting Jesus partially and taking the rest of control themselves. And so the reason we get stuck as Christians is because we're stuck between the rock and a hard place when we build our lives on a portion of Jesus and not on the whole truth of what his word is. We become people who are partial in our walk with Christ, partial in our Christianity, in our in our situation, there's a story of a, of a king in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, I want to look at this story and just tell this story this morning of this King Asa. And we're going to look at this king. Maybe you've heard of him. He was the king of, of Judah who was from the, the line that, that would have been the, the line of David. He was, was the king there in, in Judah. Israel had split at this point. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So there was a king of Israel, but then Judah was its, was its own. By the way, the reason they split, or the reason there was separation, is because God had to take from David's line the kingdom because Solomon had disobeyed God and worshipped idols. And because of Solomon's disobedience, God took the, the kingship or took that from his family. And so it was removed for that time. And here they are, they're still divided. And so King Asa, who is from the line of David, is now king of Judah and Bethlehem, or, or the, the Judah and the, the tribe of, of, uh, of Benjamin that would have been from Bethlehem, but that area. And so King Asa is the king of this small area, and there's another king who is the king of the larger, of, of the larger part of Israel. But we're going to look at the story of King Asa because he had a great reputation. He started so well, but somewhere along the way he got stuck. Somewhere along the way, his life did not end as well as it began. And taking a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1. Are you ready? I'm serious, are you ready? Okay, I just didn't... I mean, it was just Wanda. I was waiting for everybody else to catch up with us. But, okay. All right, if you're ready. 2 Chronicles 16... In the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Basha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. So if you get the picture here, here the king of Israel has now attacked the king of Judah. And he has set up a fortress or set up a stronghold uh, right off the, uh, the front border, the, the northern border there. And so no one's able to come, no one's able to go. They're stuck. Verse 2. Asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and the royal place. He sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message. Let there be a treaty between you and me like the one between your father and my father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Basha of Israel so that he will leave me alone. 
So here's his plan. He says, I'm going to take treasure. I'm going to take stuff from the temple. I'm going to pay this king up north. And this king who used to be my enemy, but now everything's okay. He was my enemy, but he's not my enemy anymore. So I'm going to go to him and ask him to help in this matter. Verse 4, Ben-Hadad agreed to the king Asa's request and sent the commanders of his army to attack the towns of Israel. They conquered the towns of Ayam, Dan, Abel, Beth, Mecca, and all the store cities in Naphtali. As soon as Basha of Israel heard what was happening, he abandoned his project of fortifying Ramah and stopped all work on it. Then King Asa called out all the men of Judah to carry away the building stones and timbers that Basha had been using to fortify Ramah. Asa used these materials to fortify the towns of Geba and Mizpah. So if you see what happened here, his plan actually succeeded. It was a plan that worked. The king actually came along and he, he began to attack him from the north and And so the king of Israel left the attack that was on King Asa and went that way. And so his plan worked. You might say, well, that's a good start. That's a good part of the story. It all worked. But that's a problem. Verse 7, at that time, Hanani, the seer or the prophet, came to King Asa and told him, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. Listen to verse 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Did you hear that? Why is there a struggle, a stuck, a conflict, a difficulty? Is because instead of putting this trust in the Lord, the Bible says, verse 9, and this is the verse 9. I want you to take this home with you. Let this verse, if you, you think about what happened at church, look at 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. That is your scripture. Put it to heart. Carry it with you. Write it down. Put it on a post-it note. Look at it all week long. I don't, whatever you need to do. But this is the word, this verse 9, because it says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. But Asa was not committed to him, and therefore the the prophet Hanani says, what a fool you have been. For that reason, he says this, for that reason, from now on you will be at war. You will be stuck between the rock and a hard place. You have conflict because you did not fully commit your trust to the Lord. Asa became so angry with Hanani for saying this, that he threw him into prison. Sometimes we're like Asa. We can't handle the truth. Because Asa's response to the truth was, I'm going to separate myself from you. I don't like what you have to say, so you're going to prison because the truth doesn't tickle my ears. It doesn't make line up with what I want. And because it doesn't line up with what I want, I'm going to separate myself from the truth. Here's our warning to us today in this first year, the first Sunday of 2014. May we be people who gain a sensitivity to be drawn to the truth of God and not good critics that we separate ourselves from the truth of God. You see, our, our church culture has been good at being, raising up critics and not so much disciples. We have, we have raised more critics than we have raised disciples. We have raised more Christian critics than we have raised fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. We have raised up Christian critics who have an opinion, who have an idea, who have a thought. But God didn't say go into all the world and raise up Christian critics. 
God said go into all the world and raise up disciples. And we have not done so well. And so our prayer is God help us in this new year to not just to not raise up Christian critics, but to raise up and to be a part of fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you realize that takes some effort. You realize it doesn't just take some work, it takes all your life. You realize it doesn't just take a portion or some effort or some, it takes sacrifice. It takes me surrendering and saying to God, God, you can have everything. I will give myself to you and place everything, my hope, everything that I am upon your word and upon your truth. Asa didn't like the truth, but here's the, the scripture that we've already, already said, and, and this is the focal point. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen. I want you to know today God is looking, and here's another reason I can say God's not mad at you. He's not looking to beat up those who aren't, who aren't obeying him. He's looking to strengthen those who are committed to him, which means he will strengthen you when you become prepared and you have a readiness to respond to God. You ready yourself for what God wants to do in your life he says those who are fully committed to him let me ask you a question I know this is a dangerous question I realize it's a dangerous question but play along in your family of or your circle of Christian influences or Christian friends your Christian circle whether they be family members that you attend church with those that live in your home those that are that are extended family those that are friends that you go to church with your Christian circle you know those people that you consider yourself brothers and sisters in Christ they're the people that you can talk about God and and you relate to going to church and and the whole thing of having God in your life it's a comfortable thing among them because it's comfortable in their lives of that circle in your life what percentage of that circle are lukewarm Now, I realize it's a dangerous question because you'd say, well, that means I'd have to judge them, and I realize that. I realize it's a matter of, well, then you're judging. But here's why I think it's an important question because if you identify what circle you're among that is lukewarm, you have to then ask yourself, which side of the percentage point do you fall on? Which side of that percentage do you and I fall on? What side of it is, and I know this can be one of those things of, of, well, there's always room for improvement. No one's ever 100%. I'll give you that. Absolutely right. When I've come to Jesus Christ, there should be a change in me. There should be a lessening of the margin. When I come to Jesus Christ, maybe there's a part and you say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God 50-50. I'm, I'm 50%, 50% turning and committed to God, and then I'm 50% doing, taking care of my own business. Maybe I'm 30 70. I, I don't know what that percentage, but the desire, the purpose should be that that margin should be closing. I should be learning in my maturity and in my walk with Christ, and sometimes it's different, but I should be learning how to lean on him more and lean on me less. I should be learning how to trust him 100% or trusting him more. Now, I realize, listen, God's not looking for perfection. There's not one of us in this room. We're all like Paul who would say, not that I've arrived. I haven't arrived, but this I know, forgetting what is behind me, and now I'm straining towards what is ahead and pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm letting go of what has been behind me, but in our lives, what is it, that percentage, what percentage is it of my life that I'm trusting, I'm believing God? Here is Asa, and he starts out so good. He starts out so well that the Bible says this in 2 Chronicles 15, 9. Many from Israel had moved to Judah during Asa's reign when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. There were people who were of the northern kingdom in Israel who were leaving Israel and coming to Judah. Not because they were from that tribe or from that area, but because they saw that God was with Asa. And so they recognized it so much that they moved from where they were to come to where he was, to be where God's presence was. 
God had made him victorious over his enemies. Here's what he says in 2 Chronicles 14, two chapters before. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. Here it is that this picture, and you have in chapter 14, here is King Asa saying, God, this is your battle. We're crying out to you. We're calling out to you. In chapter 16, Asa's saying, I'm going to the temple. He didn't go to the temple to cry out to God. He went, at, he went into the temple to take treasury from the temple so that he might take pieces from the temple and go and pay the king, the king of Aram to buy a treaty with him so that he would make an attack. And so instead of going to the temple to pray, and here I know this can sound so simple, but can I give you and I a New Year's resolution? And here it is, our New Year's resolution. Let's learn how to pray first. I know it sounds so simple. It's like, that's so basic. But let's be honest. It's sometimes when we, when we have an issue or a situation, we immediately call so-and-so. We immediately, and here's sometimes too. Can I even tell you, hey, it's great to be on a prayer chain, but you can also pray to the same God of that prayer chain. Me praying for you doesn't have more power. I can agree with you. I can agree in the work and the things that God is doing in your life. But when we understand that the power and the presence of God is at work, the Bible does say two or three are gathered together in his name. But here's sometimes we got to be careful that we don't put the weight of so-and-so pray for somebody and then we make it someone else's job. Hey, I need you to pray for so-and-so. How about you praying for so-and-so? I'm totally cool with praying for so-and-so. But what I want you to know is this so-and-so doesn't have any more power than you so-and-so. Now, I realize there's position, there's authority. Uh, Trust me, I understand all that. I fear and tremble over all that. I know that. But the power of God dwells in each and every one of us. And so here it is, Asa, he's in this place. And instead of going after, going like he did the first time to cry out to God, here's what he does. He goes and he takes pieces from the temple, or pieces from the temple from the the place of worship. He takes silver. The first time he cried out to God and said, God, save us. The second time he went to the temple and took pieces. And here's the picture. Hanani then said to him, the eyes of the Lord were searching for someone who was fully devoted to him. But what a fool you have been. See, Jesus tells a story in in, uh, the New Testament. And you may have sung it. Your kids may have sung it story about the wise man and the foolish man, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, but the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And here was Asa being foolish because he built his house on the pieces of God and not on the rock of God. Let me ask you today, sand represents the pieces of the rock. There are, there's minerals and things that are in sand that when, when in the right environment, the right things, they form, they create a rock. But in themselves, they are just pieces of what make up a rock. So let me ask you, in our lives, are we living, are we living among the things that make up a rock, the pieces, or are we living, are we living on the rock? And here is Asa who took pieces from the temple. And sometimes we're stuck between the rock and the hard place because we're stuck between trusting God 100% and trusting ourselves and our own stubbornness, our own ways, our own answers, our own, our own ideas and own way of doing things. Asa needed to 
pray first, he became foolish. Proverbs 3, 7 says this, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. It's a simple encouragement to you, and that is pray first. Whatever it is you're facing, don't try to fix it before you've taken it to God and say, God, what is it you want me to do in this matter? Praying and asking God for his, his, his guidance, his direction. When we do that, we recognize that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. How many know that Jesus alone is our salvation? He is our rock. I thank God for ministers. I thank God for men and women of God. I thank God for people that I can, that I can pray with. But I've got to also recognize and know that I'm not limited to their connection to God. I can connect directly to God. There is now one mediator between God and man, the Bible says in Hebrews. It's not a minister. I don't have to confess to any man. The only reason I would confess to someone, Peter says, or the the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. And that confession is being that honesty. It's not to to receive forgiveness from God. It's in an act of, of being real and acknowledging the sins that we have. And there's acknowledgement. We're facing the truth of what we have done. But our forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ and through him alone that we can go directly to God, that it is in him that we have salvation. It's through him alone. When we are not fully relying on God, when we're not fully relying on God, and you may have heard fully relying on God. Isn't that the whole frog? Fully relying on God. There it is. We got to eat sweet frog today. It's in there. It's fully relying. When we're not fully relying on God, there's a struggle that begins and takes place in us. Because the only way that we can have rest is when we're able, or we can be at peace is whenever we're able to rest completely. I'm gonna ask Manny to come and help us close this morning. Let me, let me just bring this to a close. Listen, this morning, I was at a meeting and uh, had some, uh, at a lunch meeting, and while we were sitting there, I got the chair that was all wobbly. And I felt like if I put all my weight on that chair, that thing was about to fall. The meeting started, one, did one, didn't want to make a scene, didn't want to do one of those things of, hey, have I got another chair? So I sat through the whole meeting just steadying myself. Do you know how uncomfortable it was to sit on a chair that you couldn't sit on? How uncomfortable it was to carry the weight and not be able to just rest? The Bible says in John that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, we sometimes hear that scripture and we love the truth that sets us free and we we sometimes perceive the word free to mean the truth that will cause us to go after and get whatever we want. But the truth that sets me free is the truth that alleviates all the wants and where I can just rest completely in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone. See, salvation isn't Jesus plus anything else. Salvation is believing on Jesus Christ alone. Salvation from your sin, salvation from your your difficult situation, salvation from whatever it is you're facing, Jesus Christ alone. Let me tell you how Asa went so far to the other direction. Asa didn't even lean on God because the Bible says, and you can read the rest of Asa's life, he gets a foot infection. Daggone it. Here's the problem though. He dies of the foot infection. 
The Bible says the reason he died is because even during that foot infection, he did not seek the help of God, but he only sought the help of physicians. Now, that's not anything to say physicians don't have a place. God uses medicine. God uses those things. But that's only because God is the source that everything flows from. It's not a problem to seek help from other places or to seek advice or to seek counsel. It's only a problem when we seek everything but God. It's even a problem when you seek your 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 uh, Sunday school teacher, a preacher, or a, you seek all these other people, but you yourself have not sought God. We we can do that. We can seek all kinds of things, but seek God. Here's what the Bible says: that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land here's what he says if they seek my face the winter Olympics are about to begin in just weeks that's an impressive sport of skiing when they jump off those lunges and different things they do I went skiing with my wife one time she was my girlfriend then and she had the most hilarious time of her life and I made a new friend I was falling, so I just grabbed the guy that was closest to me. So we both went in the mud. But in 88, the 88 Olympics, there was a guy who was on the team, obviously professional, but before he was on the team, he made a friend with some skiers or guys who were skiing, and a couple guys in particular, and they were blind. For fun, they would ski blind, but they had enough knowledge, and it was such a small hill, it was nothing... It was minor. But they were comfortable enough. They knew the distance. They knew when they would hit different powder. They would, and they would ski so small. He built a relationship with them, and they started skiing together. Soon, these blind skiers took it up a notch. They began to ski at higher levels, steeper, and with more turns. The reason that happened is because they would ski right beside the professional skier. And all he would do is say right, left, right. And they just gave the directions of how they needed to pivot or what they needed to do. And these blind skiers began to ski with the professional skier, not because they could know anything, but because they developed the sense of hearing the voice of the professional. They learned how to listen. And can I be honest with you? I can see. And I'm not going down those hills. Sometimes it's a benefit to have blind faith. Many times. Because if I really knew what was ahead, I don't know how I'd prepare for it. But I've got the voice of the one next to me. And when I'm blind and skiing, I can't do anything but trust the voice of the one near me. If I try my instincts, the moment I try and say, I'm not sure I can trust the voice and do my own thing, I'm now on my own. And can you imagine being that blind skier who says, I can't trust anything of my own instincts. I can't trust anything. I let all of that go. All that I can do is trust the voice of the professional that I'm skiing beside. How many would say that takes faith? 
You're not going to make it down a slope without being able to see unless you're willing to fully commit to that professional that you're with. Can I tell you that's what salvation with Jesus Christ is? The only way you can have salvation is to commit fully, 100% to Jesus Christ. To say, God, upon you and you alone, I trust. You're the one. You're the one. This morning, as this new year begins, are you building on the pieces of the rock? Or are you building on the rock? Asa separated himself from the truth. He didn't like it. How many know sometimes we don't like the truth? But maturity is when I learn to say to God, God, give me strength to face the truth that's ahead. Don't be good at facing my truths for me. Don't be good at facing your spouse's truth for them. What I mean by that is we can be good at identifying, you know what your problem is? You know what you need to do? You know what? No, this is a message for me to evaluate and look at my life. Say, God, have I allowed myself to get stuck between the rock of salvation and the stubbornness of my own ways? How many know God wants to create something new? This is my prayer today. God creates something new in us. Beginning of the year, went back, started reading Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Something jumped out at me. And it was every time God was about to create something new, he separated something. Before he created the day, the Bible says he separated dark from light and created the day. Then he separated the heaven from the earth and created the sky. Then he separated the water from the land and created a place, place for new vegetation. That means every time God is about to do something new in my life, he separates me from something. And here on this whole truth, I have to ask myself, am I separating myself from the truth or am I separating myself to the truth? Because the scripture we read that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I don't want to ask you today, do you need to turn from any wicked ways? I want to ask you first, do you need to seek his face? Because if you take care of seeking his face, you will naturally turn from wicked ways. You can't seek his face and still seek wicked ways. So the pressure is not on you to quit seeking or to turn from wicked ways. The pressure is on you and I. Not the, our job is not to turn from wicked ways. Our job is to just make sure we seek his face. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. And so in this new year, the whole truth, is your life built on that truth? Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.